God's glory. There's a scripture I've been meditating on. I'm not going there right now, but it's in, in uh, John 16, 27, where it talks about Jesus said, uh, the father himself loves you because you have loved me and believe that I came out from God. That is so powerful. It's all about him. It's so powerful. That's why we can, Jesus is my covenant with God. I enjoy the benefits of a perfectly kept covenant with God. Now, I'm not saying I do it. I mean, I see it. And the more my heart gets it, the more it manifests in my life. But the benefits of a perfectly kept covenant with God are mine because Jesus kept that covenant perfectly for me. Isn't that exciting? Man, Whew, good news. All right. So that's the work of God that we need. And as we look into the mirror of the spirit, the word of God, and we look accurately, we uh, see, uh, we, we see, we, it changes us from glory to glory. The disciples were probably thinking, this is letter B under Roman numeral number two. Surely this is some kind of vision coming toward us. It can't be real. Jesus can't walk on top of the water. That's probably what they thought. Remember in Mark's account, they said they thought it was a spirit, a ghost. God isn't limited by the physical realm the way we are. God isn't, you know, when it says in uh, Ephesians chapter one, verse three, that we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That doesn't just mean that like if you're believing for something in the natural, there's a spirit version of that. It just means that the ability and the grace for you to receive that, you draw that from the spirit. This conference we were at, and Barry Bennett said something I thought was really good. True prosperity begins within. There's people that are prosperous financially, and they're, they're in intense poverty on the inside. I mean, because, you know, I think of Holly Weird. And the peop many of the people in Holly Weird, uh, I'm saying that intentionally, <laughs> trying to get a laugh. Many, many of them, they got everything, but they have nothing. Because they're broke on the inside. And that's why people, the Bible says in Proverbs, the eyes of men are never satisfied. In other words, the more he gets, the more he's, because he's trying to fill an inward void. True prosperity begins on the inside. And, and, and that, that's just powerful to me. But anyhow, so, um, so God's not limited to the physical realm the way we are. That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that he is able to do, I love this, exceedingly above all, that we can ask or think, but it doesn't stop there. It's according to the power that we allow to work in us. Isn't that awesome? God's ability is according to the power that we allow to work in us. Sometimes we live so much in the natural realm that it just seems like God is there really a way out of this, but nothing is too difficult for God. And I wrote down some of those scriptures Talk about with God, there's nothing impossible. Genesis 18, 14, all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26, Mark 10, 27, Luke 1, 37, Luke 18, 27. That's just a few. What our problem is, Jesus, whatever our problem is, Jesus is on top of it. Mark 6, verse 50, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, be of good cheer, it is I be not afraid. Be, you know, go to, go to uh, Acts 12. I'm going to do this quick. Acts chapter 12. This is where Peter was imprisoned. And I'm not going to do it all for the sake of time. But in Acts chapter 12, this is what really gets me. And, and you read it from Acts chapter 12, verse from about 3 
uh, through verse 10. And then, of course, the angel wakes Peter up. Peter was sleeping. Think about that. Possibly going to get executed the next day, and he's sleeping. And, the, and I think that's powerful. But look at verse 11. It says, and when Peter was come to himself, you know, the gate opened, you know, the whole thing. First, he thought he had saw a vision. Uh, uh, the angel departed. And, and Peter was come to himself like, oh, wow, this isn't a dream. Like, I, I, I don't know if I told you this, George, but Monday I got up. Uh, we were at a meeting, and then we caught the end of the Super Bowl. Monday I got up, and I, I had a dream right before I got up that the Bengals won. And then I realized, well, that was a dream. <laughs> okay. And then, and then I came to myself. <laughs> and it says, watch this. And, and, and it says, and when Peter was come to himself, he said, now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. They're probably praying for Peter, praying for his release, all those kind of things. And as Peter knocked on the door at the, or excuse me, at the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she saw, when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And when, and they said unto her, you're mad, you're crazy. <laughs> but isn't this amazing? They're praying. It's like their prayers being answered. You're nuts. <laughs> But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. They said, then said they, it is his angel. What? But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were blown away. <laughs> they were astonished. Wow, our prayers worked. <laughs> but he, it's amazing God gets anything through sometimes. <laughs> but he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. I just think that's amazing. Um, but see, it's, it's no big deal for God. That's why there's so many times I've heard. I haven't counted them, but it's, I know it's all over the Bible. I've heard 365 times. There's some version of fear not, fear not, fear not. God is always saying fear not. Now, if I didn't have the capacity by God's grace to fear not, then God would be unfair to say, Colleen, don't do this, but... She can't because you don't have any abilities. So God has evidently given us the grace to do that. We don't have to be afraid. And this is why, guys, I'll just give you a little thing that I've been doing. I thought about checking news headlines on here today, and I thought, no, I'm not. This junk, I haven't been, since we've been on that, I haven't checked anything. I like what, what Andrew says. If there's a war, you'll hear about it. If, so, if we're in war, you'll hear about it. And I'm thinking, because all this is just junk, most of it. It's just, and it's all, oh, this person's that person. And this, you know, cop pulled over somebody and now they're mad. I, I'm tired of it. And I just said, I'm just going to dead myself to some of this. And so I'm not saying I'll never check the news, but I, I was getting in a habit of, well, what are Breitbart, Fox News? No, forget it. <laughs> and I know that I, if there is a war, I'll hear about it. If it's something big, you'll hear about it. <laughs> Barry Bennett said something really funny. He was talking about Andrew, and he said, he goes, this is how Andrew is. If somebody walked up to him and said, uh, well, you know, uh, North Korea just launched, launched a missile toward us. Andrew goes, awesome. <laughs> because, you know, we just need to have an eternal perspective. God has got us. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. It says, um, look at the letter F. The things that are bothering us aren't bothering God. The Bible says 
that we've been raised and seated together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2, 6. And, then, and it's not talking about our physical resurrection that's coming in the future. It's talking about where our born-again spirit, we've been raised, we're in this position in Christ. Uh, uh, Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, if you be risen with Christ, talking about where your spirit's at, if you're risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection or your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Now watch this. So if my born-again spirit, that's the position I have in Christ, is raised and seated, which is a position of rest. You know, if you've ever looked out of an airplane, for example, in the natural, and you look at cars and trains and buildings, they look pretty small. If we would see from our position in Christ, from our perspective of raised and seated, our problems would look small. But they look big because we don't realize where we are in Him. We don't understand our position in Christ. And that's why we need to focus on it. No condemnation. Just change your focus. Set your affection. Your That word affection means mine on things above, not on things of the earth. That means I can do it because he's given me the grace to do it. Hallelujah. See something? Well, God is in control. He's controlled everything. No, he's not. That's a satanic doctrine. And a lot of Christians believe it. It's absolutely satanic. Because it, it, what it does is it produces passivity. And that's where the devil wants you. If you're passive, he can just run. Imagine if I'm sitting in my house and say I'm watching the Bengals win the Super Bowl. And so, I'm kidding. But I'm watching something. And I'm sitting there with my family and I'm watching. All of a sudden a guy walks in and he starts taking stuff. Well, God is in control. And I just sit there and he's taking stuff. And he keeps taking stuff. And I'm just sitting there. No. If I don't do anything, he's going to steal me blind. Right? You have to... We have to get that. The heaven, I'm going to give you scripture here. Psalm 115, verse 16 says, The heavens, even the heavens are the, the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the sons of men. That were given me an assignment. Adam blew it, messed the place up. The last Adam, Jesus, got it right. And now because God loves people, he wants us to be about the Father's business. Amen. You know, Jesus didn't have authority on the earth because he was the son of God, even though he was the son of God. He had authority on earth because he was the son of man. John 5, 27. God does everything legally. God doesn't violate the laws of the universe. God, when God gave Adam the garden, there were, you know, the only reason the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was there is that he gave man a choice. Love's not love if you don't have a choice to say no. If you propose to some, your wife or wife-to-be if you, or your girlfriend or whatever, she, and if she can't say no, then it's not love. They call that shotgun wedding, right? This is not shotgun salvation. We can say no. And even as Christians. See, God is a great respecter of man's will. We need to understand that. That's big. Hallelujah. All right. It says... Um, and if we, letter G, and if we were uh, appropriate what is ours in Christ, we won't need to be bothered either. We need to identify with him and our position in him. This is on the back of your paper, you, or second paper if you have it. You might be in a situation right now where you think that there's just no way to really rejoice until you see absolute deliverance. I believe faith is simply going there on the inside. What do I mean by that? For example, 
Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, in case you missed it, I say rejoice. So to rejoice is a choice. And it's looking at the promise and saying, God, you will, you're delivering me from this promise. You, you will. It's going to manifest. But I'm rejoicing now and begin to intentionally see it on the inside. Second um, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the glory of, how does it say it? Thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph and makes manifest, that's it, the Savior or the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. In other words, begin to see that. Begin to see, man, God's leading me into victory. God's leading me into victory. God gave you an imagination. And I'm not talking about new age sitting in a lotus position and humming. That's weirdo. I'm talking about going there in your heart, intentionally, seeing it on the inside, being intentional with this. So many times we're trying to believe for victory, but in our heart we see ourselves as failures. You have victory in Christ. All the promises of God are yes, in Him. Yes, in Him and amen, in Him. To the glory of God by us. Yea and yes, in Him. That's 2 Corinthians 1.20. All the promises and the glory of God by or literally through us. God wants to manifest His glory, which is His goodness through us. Amen. Hallelujah. But see, it's what, what you believe. It's God works with what you believe. That's all. He, that's how he can. And you see it on the inside. However, you can get to a... No, I felt like the Lord said I needed to go. Go to Isaiah. Very familiar verse to some of you. Maybe none of you. This may not be, but I want to show you this. I want to show you this verse. I have this question. I have questions that some people think are like probably too simple. But I don't believe they are there because I think that I'm learning not to assume that people understand things, including myself. Because when people say stuff, I don't want someone to just speak Christianese to me. I mean, what does that mean? You know what I mean? What is that? How? Okay. I literally uh, contacted a ministry years ago and and said, you guys talk about, you say, look at Jesus. And I, I, I said, what does that mean? What do you mean, look at Jesus? I don't want Christianese. How does, that, how does that look in my life? Is it look at the pictures of him, even though that's probably not what he looked like? You know, and, and plus, we don't know him after the flesh, 2 Corinthians 5.16, so it's not really the point. Is it looking at certain scripture verses? That's eh, closer. That's closer. But what, what, does, what does that mean? Well, when, when you begin to go there in your heart, this is what faith is. Now, look, look at this verse. Very familiar. I want to just bring out one PowerPoint here. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, God will keep him in perfect peace or shalom, shalom. Watch this. Whose mind or imagination is stayed upon him. Now, watch this. Because he trusteth in thee. Do you know what it means to trust in God? To intentionally go there in your imagination, on the inside, in, with the promises of God. See, the Bible also talks about vain imaginations. That's where, you know, you know, I picture myself in the NBA coming in from the top of the key with the tomahawk jam. Or am I allowed to say tomahawk or is that racist now? That might be racist. You know, they, everything's so stupid. The, I mean, the woke stuff's stupid because it's demonic. I mean, and, and, but my point is that would be a vain imagination because I'm not going to be in the NBA. That's not going to happen. 
But see, you've got to have a promise for it. You've got to have a promise, and you need to begin to see yourself in that position. Be see yourself in what God says he's called you to do, you know. But so many people, they're waiting. Well, when the circumstances come, then I'll believe God. No, you go there on the inside, and then you'll eventually see it on the outside. That's what faith is. That's my point. God keeps him in perfect peace when his, your imagination is stayed on him because we trust in him. That's what it means to trust in him. Go there on the inside. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, I'm going to just say it boldly. God's doing something, going to do something here, going to do something. He's already doing it. Oh, well, look at all the empty chairs. Who cares? What do you see? What do I see on the inside? God's doing something, and it's big because God's big, and it's bigger than us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels or cheap clay pottery. <laughs> That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. People say when you talk like that, that that's bragging. That's not bragging. Bragging on the Lord. It's bragging when you think that it's because you're someone. All of us are nothing without him. But we're not without him. He's the something that's made nothing something. <laughs> Amen? I like how Andrew says it. You know, I told God I had a worldwide ministry and he goes... You would have never known it by looking. People were staying away from my meetings by the thousands. <laughs> but you know what? You see it on the inside. And you'll see it on you see it on the inside, you'll see it on the outside, and eventually you'll see it on the outside. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But, however, you can get to a place in the midst of it when you're of good cheer. Where Jesus said, Be of good cheer. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said, Be of good cheer? Uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll say this and then we'll look at it here in a minute. Jesus said, be of good cheer while the storm was still going on. We'll, we'll look at that in Matthew 14 here in a minute. I'm going to fly because we're just about out of time. But think about what I just said. Jesus told the disciples to be of good cheer and the storm was still raging. I'm letting that hang. That's awesome. He's telling you and I to be of good cheer even when the storm's raging. Isn't that something? That's powerful. There is no temptation taken you except that which is common to man, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. If you think that your situation is unique, you're exempting yourself from the answers you need to overcome it. Remember Elijah? They've killed everyone. I'm the only one. <laughs> we get that for you. And God says, I've got 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Look at this in 1 Peter 5. I am flying because we're about out of time. Look at 1 Peter 5. I want you to see this. This is so good. 1 Peter 5, and I want to show you this in verse 9. Well, verse 8 and 9. Be sober, be alert, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, goeth, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Watch this. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. One of the ways we overcome is knowing other people are going through it too. I marvel at the, you're right. You're probably, no one's ever dealt with what you're dealing with. You're the only one. Everyone else, you know, you look at people, I'm telling you, this is one of the biggest things I've, you think people, wow, they don't have any problems. Look at them. They don't have nothing. Listen, everybody's going through stuff. And then one of the ways we overcome is we know this is why we need each other. 
One of the Satan's greatest tools is isolation. If he can get you isolated, I guarantee it's just a matter of time. I don't care. You can memorize the whole Bible, every Hebrew and Greek word. You can have it all down. But if you're isolated from the brethren, let me tell you something. He's got you. It's just a matter of time. Then you'll start getting puffed up. They're not as spiritual as me. They don't know what I know. Ain't I something? And what are you doing? You know, I tell people this. You know how to tell if your knowledge is puffing you up versus growing you up? You want to know how to tell? I'll tell you right now. 1 Corinthians 8 warns about knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Knowledge, but we need knowledge, right? But if my knowledge is puffing me up, I'm pulling away from people. If my knowledge is growing me up, I'm going towards people in love. That's how you tell. See, some people, because of the offense of their heart, they pull away from people. All men are this way. All women are this way. All churches are this way. All people are this way. All da, 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 da. And on and on it goes. That's an offended heart. And it causes you to isolate. You know, Jesus warned, and I'm, I'm on this, in, in Luke chapter 17, verse 1 on down, he talked about it's impossible. Offenses will come. You know what the word is of, of, for offense? It's the bait of a trap. Offense is the bait of a trap. A lot of people offended at God. That's why if you believe that demonic teaching that God's controlling everything, and why didn't God do this? Why did God let this happen? Why did God... If God didn't do it, it's because he couldn't. Amen. He can't just... He gave this earth to... to it's be like if I give you something, I say, okay, hold on, and then I try to control it. I tell people this. If you give money to a ministry, and then, and then you think that you still can call the shots of that ministry... You didn't give it. You didn't give it. Amen. If you give it, you give it. I trust them to do what they say, whatever. I, I give it. But if, but if I'm, I'm still think I, you know, call the shots, I haven't given it. So we need, we need these, th we need stuff. One, I'll tell you something that I've been learning. The body of Christ needs good teaching. Like I've never, I'm blown away. You guys are so blessed to be here. Now, some people, some of you are thinking, that's so arrogant. No, that's so humble. That's humble. I'm learning what, there's a lot of false humility out there. And I've, I've been guilty of false humility, also known as pride. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, saying that, I'm exalting the word of God. You know what the Lord showed me? He said, I don't exalt people. I exalt my word. You exalt my word, you go along for the ride. I think I'll exalt your word. And that's, that's God's mandate for my life. He said, you just keep exalting my word. You don't cave to what, look, what it looks. You just keep, keep preaching. The, you keep declaring the word. You keep going in it. Keep doing what you're doing. That's hard to do sometimes. Because you think, wow, but look at this. And they're doing this. And they got this. And they got a bigger Ferris wheel than this church. And we need another Ferris wheel. I don't care about a Ferris wheel. I care about the word of God. Thank God I'm a, we have a thing at BMI. And we bring the kids. And they have blow-up jumpies. I'm all, I'm all, that's wonderful. But I'm not going to make that the priority. The word of God's the priority. All right. And I'm not saying other people are. I'm not throwing stones at anybody. I don't do that. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, I've... Proven in my life over and over that you can rejoice when there is no reason in the natural except faith. And it involves seeing it on the inside. I'm finishing up at 701. Most people can't be of good cheer unless they see their physical problems resolved. Faith is inside out, not outside in. I, I, that's something, it's not in your outline, but I wrote it. But faith 
doesn't work that way. You must first get into faith, resist fear, and be of good cheer. See, it didn't say fear wouldn't come, but you resist it. While the storm is still raging and the ship is going down. <laughs> Jesus told the disciples to be of good cheer before he stilled the storm. That's Matthew 14, 27. I said that earlier, and I want to just make that point. That is so powerful. Jesus told them, be of good cheer, and the storm is still raging. He's telling you and I, be of good cheer. But I see people been saved for years. And no, once things are good, then I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to praise God when there's a manifested answer. You praise God now. Jesus didn't wait. Oh, my word. Look at all these people. We only have a, a few, you know, loaves and fishes. We don't really have much to feed these folks. He, did, he gave thanks for what he had. He broke it and it multiplied. If we would give thanks for what we have in any situation, God would be able to multiply it. What we magnified, it allows God to magnify. Hallelujah. All right. Anyone can be of good cheer. Last point. And overcome fear once the storm stops and the boat is translated to the other side. But it takes faith to rejoice before you know what the outcome will be. Faith to rejoice. And let me give you one more verse here. This is something I heard a message preach and they were preaching on these verses. They did not say this, but as soon as I saw this verse, I saw it. Go to John 8. This is really good what I'm getting ready to say. And we'll land the plane. John chapter 8. And look at verse 37. Jesus is dealing with a bunch of religious folks. He tells the Jews that believed, he said, if you continue or abide in my word, then you're, you're my disciples and you'll know the truth and that truth will make, will set you free. Truth in itself does not set people free. It's only the truth you know that sets you free. Amen? Okay, now watch this. But this is what, what he showed me. Look at this. John 8, 37, I know that you're Abraham's seed. He's talking to them. They were talking about physically, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. And here's what I wrote. When the word of God has no place in you, your flesh will seek to kill or extinguish the life of Jesus in your life. That's awesome. That's awesome. Jesus said, you seek to kill me. Or the word kill means to extinguish. In our own personal relationship, when I don't allow the word to have place in my life, I, my flesh will seek to extinguish Jesus in my life because I'm not giving my, the word of God proper place. Does that make any sense? Hallelujah. It's 704. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the precious Holy Spirit. We thank you for who you are what you've done and what you continue to do in our lives. I thank you. I speak blessing over everyone that's here right now. Supernatural blessing, Lord, that's already on them. But Lord, let them be in the right place at the right time. I decree divine connections, divine appointments. Uh, I decree good sleep. I speak good sleep. Sleep is so important. I, I, Lord, and I just release the life of Christ on everyone here right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We lift up our country. We pray for our leaders in our country. Lord, we pray for godliness to reign in the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen.